Hey, Sandy. Hey, Nora. What's up? Not, not much. Getting a little bit sick. What about you? I, too, am a little bit sick, but um, I'm also very happy because Game of Thrones is excellent, <laughs> uh, which we're not going to talk about, obviously, because spoilers, but you know, shout out to the person on Twitter who's like, been following along the podcast so closely that they were like, um, in a previous podcast, you said you didn't watch Game of Thrones, Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what in the world? Did you just binge it all? Yes, I did. Okay? <laughs> I mean, why are you judging me? Leave me alone. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. Yeah, my cousins uh, convinced me to watch it last uh, summer. And it was a pretty quick watch. <laughs> so it was just like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it was great. No spoilers, because Nora hasn't watched it yet, but Battle of Winterfell was pretty epic. Uh, yeah, I can't, uh, I can't wait for Wednesday night. That's the, that's the soonest I'm going to be able to see it. We should talk about the politics of Westeros today. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that's a joke. <laughs> yeah. But what yeah. should we talk about today? Well, I'm not sure if you saw the news, but last week I was uh, on a panel with someone who was so controversial that the mayor of Winnipeg held a press conference to try and convince the organizers social planning Winnipeg to shut the event down or to disinvite her or whatever. How embarrassing for the mayor of Winnipeg. (laughs) I mean, like that city is not a city that's racism free. And of all of the people to target, to target (laughs) Linda Sarsour, who's Mm -mm. coming to just talk about... Linda Sarsour. I mean, like aside, she's amazing. So yeah. So I was there and uh, got to be part of a press conference, which was awesome because no one asked me any questions or only one person did. And it was like a pity question. So that was nice. <laughs> and um, and we had the event and, you know, you can catch the audio somewhere. If you just look around online, you'll find mm-hmm. it. It was amazing. But the discussions around the like whether or not she should have been uninvited. I feel like that might be a good topic for us to to chat today. Not this situation specifically, but in general. I mean, yeah, the the answer around that situation, should she have been invited? Yes. Okay, so we are in agreement <laughs> on that. But I think what we're what we mean to talk about today is like what is the when do we say this event needs to be shut down and when do we say uh this is an idea worth debating, I suppose is the question, or this is a debate that, you know, we should have. Um which is, I think, an important topic because I think that sort of thing can really confuse some people. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think that there's, that there's consensus really on where the line is on the left. No. And I think that that confuses people because, you know, you have someone like Jordan Peterson who, <laughs> right, who's like, who can be exposed through, the, through debate, as we saw with the, with the Zizek-Peterson debate. And then the question is like, who cares and who wants to even pay attention to that? <laughs> exactly like who cares about that yeah did they did they even really truly debate happiness i don't you know i i didn't subject myself to that torture but i'm willing to bet they didn't <laughs> no i and, and also like i'm like jordan peterson is like such a happy man that i can't imagine that i can't imagine finding a worse like diplomat for happiness is he a man him. or is he a bag of meat Ooh, 
Good question. You know, I honor him every time I cook with apple cider vinegar. I think of how depressed I am as a result of that apple cider vinegar, and I honor him. Weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I think you and I, like, we've got some ideas on this, and certainly we've been involved on both sides of this issue in terms of um, some events that need to be shut down or some events that should go ahead and should have debate. But it's a difficult topic because there's nowhere to have this discussion. Yeah. And I think that we've got this really gross idea that's like, uh, you know, a popular idea that a debate for debate's sake is is somewhat it's like virtuous or something like I want to start a debate or I'm having this conversation to have a debate. And I think that that's like really stupid. (laughs) It's just, (laughs) you know, you should have a debate because it's a it's an, an idea that's worth having. You should have a debate because there's not you know, consensus on an issue or the consensus on an issue needs to be challenged. Not just because, uh, you know, it felt like a really good thing to say after someone asked you to justify why the hell (laughs) you decided to put on an event or to have a conversation. It's, you know, right up there with playing devil's advocate, I think, as like one of the most ridiculous phrases to use to try to justify an event happening um, just to have a debate. That's not good enough. There needs to be a good reason to have a debate. And that that reason should be able to be fleshed out when somebody is challenging you. And so a question like, why in the world would Slava Zizek and uh, uh, Jordan Peterson uh, debate happiness? Um, <laughs> if the, the answer is... Uh, to have a debate it's important to have debate like it's like that's really stupid (laughs) is it stupid enough for me to spend my precious valuable time shutting down um, the event no (laughs) like I don't care (laughs) I don't know how offensive that's going to be and but like a question such as you know um, is it uh, important to have a debate discussion um, about the critiquing the state of Israel with Linda Sarsour, uh, that I think is a very important discussion that is clearly happening uh, worldwide. Mm-hmm. So uh, is it important to, like, why would you shut that down, Mayor Winnipeg? What exactly are you uh, trying to, what kind of conversation are you trying to stop from happening? Well, and actually, to be clear, in that situation, like, we, we were not talking about Israel-Palestine. Like that, oh, shit. that was that's what I yeah. <laughs> no, no, that well, that's of course you would have, no, no, but of course you would have thought that, right? Because that makes sense. That the, I guess to an extent that the that the mayor would weigh in on something that he was disgusted by on this topic because I don't know he's a Zionist and he's pissed. But the event had <laughs> nothing to do with that. The event was about being unapologetic and loud women. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's not even a, a debate. That's a celebration. Well, it is a debate, though, because the very existence of many of us um, makes uh, these guys' uh, dicks fall off. Well, it's a debate for someone, but I don't know that that event was a debate, was it? No, not at all. Exactly. Yeah. No, we were we were talking uh, we were talking about um, you know what it's like to be attacked and what it's like to you know give her on politics and stuff. That's it's why it's so so ridiculous that the whole um, discussion played out the way it did. But I mean, for me, the I, I actually don't even care about debate for debate's sake. Like, that's kind of like none of my business, right? What the monk school does or the monk debates do, Blech. I don't mostly care, right? I don't really care. I mean, I care to critique who they choose mm-hmm. to represent certain sides. Mm-hmm. 
because if you're going to have a debate about, you know, U.S. foreign policy and you have two shades of gray debating the status quo, like I'm, I'm going to say that's bullshit. Mm -hmm. But I mean, where does the no platforming uh, side of this discussion come in and where is it uncomfortable but important to have certain debates? And I, and I, I, I don't have an answer to that. Like that's, that's cut and dry. But I feel like whenever an issue comes up, forming an opinion on that is actually not that hard. <laughs> no, I agree with that. I mean, it's like, let, let's throw out some names of previous debates slash discussions that have happened that we know of, like Steve Bannon, <laughs> hard pass. Like, I don't know that his uh, contributions uh, to our, like, political arena and his, like, you know, attempts to, to shift debate so that more um, things that we have uh, decided are uh, reprehensible in society or once again um, acceptable. Uh, I, I don't think that that's worth having a debate with him about. And in fact, like, I would rather have a response to the debate not be uh, a discussion of, about something so offensive to have a discussion about and rather just trying to shut down an event like that. Uh, Ann Coulter, similarly, uh, th this is someone who has shown up on university campuses and is also a reprehensible creature. Like, I, I, I don't know why I wouldn't do something to try to, to stop the flow of that type of organizing that leads to the white supremacist violence that we've been seeing be supported through these types of characters and, and their organizing efforts. Yeah, well, especially considering that you can draw straight lines between some of the stuff. You know, I, I was asked by someone, like, what's the difference between Linda Sarsour and someone like Jordan Peterson. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in, a, in an honest, I think it was actually asked in a genuine way. Like, what's the difference? Aren't they just kind of two different points on the political spectrum that are opposing one another or on opposite sides, right? But like, what really is the difference? She knows what she's talking about. <laughs> for <laughs> for <one>. starters. <laughs> but I, I actually think it's it's like, okay, yeah, let's engage in that conversation. What is the difference? It's like, one side, you have someone whose very existence is uh, not only under threat, like in Palestine, you know, the identity, Palestinian identity is is still under occupation, but whose who's like very presence in the mainstream is, confr is uh, it confronts the status, status quo. It's controversial. Uh, when you have a, a woman who wears hijab, a black woman who wears hijab in the case of Ilhan Omar, Mm -hmm. her presence and her comments alone are controversial mm -hmm. regardless of what she says and jordan peterson is like well he is choosing to kind of go into this weird direction of pop psychology and, is, and there's all these problems with what he's saying it's one thing to say you know i actually am a zionist and i believe that israel has a right to do whatever the fuck it wants to, to the palestinians it's a whole other thing to have a a, a, a pop psychology that you know, it might help some people. I think that there are people that listen to Jordan Peterson and they're helped by mm -hmm. him. But the the direct connection between what Jordan Peterson is doing and and popularizing the demonization of this term cultural Marxism, the extreme of his speech is is literally killing people. The extreme of the speech of someone like Linda Sarsour mm -hmm. is not killing anybody. In fact, it's it's 
it's the opposite of killing people. It's like, so one of the, the issues she spends a lot of time on is prison ab- abolition, right? What is the extreme end of pr- prison abolition that threatens average people? Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. It's incredible to think that we, we live in a world of such opposites that, that, that you can look at these two people, these two perspectives on the world and, and not see the connection to their extremes. And it's like, you know, then, you, then, then the argument is, well, what about the global extreme? Like, isn't there Islamic terrorism that wants to destroy Israel or whatever? It's like, we still live in North America. Like, this is a context. Like, you, I wouldn't give the global extreme of Jordan Peterson because I don't have to because his extreme lives in North America. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but when you have a, a nonviolent activist saying, you know, you've, if either you support BDS or you don't. And if you don't support BDS, the only option that you're leaving Palestinians with is armed resistance mm-hmm. because because re- you're going to resist. And so either you take, you know, nonviolent resistance in the form of BDS or maybe there's other kinds of nonviolence resistance, but that's what people have chosen or it's armed resistance. And so can we think through this a little bit, mm-hmm. <laughs> a little bit harder? <laughs> mm, so I've got a question for you. Have you been involved uh, like on campus or elsewhere in an attempt to uh, stop a, a an event from happening. Yes. So, what was your thought process? Like, what what made you like? Do you think looking back, are you like, yeah, that was the right move? And what took you to the place where you were like, all right, yeah, this is this is how we're gonna do this. Yeah, I've got two examples. One I've talked about on the show already, and one you've already just mentioned. But I'm gonna go in through the details on that. I'll start with that. Um, So when Ann Coulter came to Ontario campuses, uh, I had to be like the the TV face of explaining why students were resisting her existence on campus. Mm -hmm. Um, And she wasn't coming to Ryerson, but but I mean, no one wanted to really defend this on like, you know, the old Sun TV, the canoe, canoe live or whatever. And so I was going to go in there. And the, the thing with Ann Coulter is it's like this is a woman who literally like supports um the replacement theory right the theory of of white genocide that we need to do everything we can to stop the non-white invasion in the united states so it's like so one we've got like a a highly odious individual whose positions and opinions like rely on people being deported or not allowed into canada for example and people who are in canada who aren't white aren't real or whatever on the other side or shouldn't be here or nefarious in some way. Exactly. On the other side, you also have a question of resources, which is on the campus really important. So it's like, sorry, how are, how are you getting access to these spaces? The student unions are routinely shut out of getting spaces for their events, regardless of what the kind of event is. And so for us, it was like, well, the, the campus is a public space. That public space is paid for by students. Students have overwhelmingly said they're not interested in her being here. And so that was enough for me to say, yeah, absolutely. Um, students should say, you're not invited to our campus. Now, it wasn't one student. It was many, many, many people coming together to say, this does not pass on our campus. And I think that that's important mm-hmm. because that creates political culture, right? We have political consensus within society, right? You're not going to go up to someone and spit on them in the face. You're not going to go up to someone and 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 punch them in the chest. Right? These are things that you just, in society, we would say is, is wrong. Um, mm-hmm. and we would even say if someone dropped a mitt, you would pick it up and you would pass it to them. That's, that's kind of like, these are societal norms. And on a campus, you create societal norms and you create consensus on what is and what is it acceptable speech or action or behavior. This is something that happens 
all the time. Every single issue that happens on a campus reinforces or recreates or creates new culture or norms or consensus. And so we were participating in that. Mm-hmm. And did you get pushed back? Oh, absolutely. Now, I actually don't remember what happened. So she must not have been able to speak. <laughs> now, was this at this was at U of O, right? Yeah, right. I, f- I feel like it was canceled. Like part of the thing, too, is like these people thrive on controversy. And then once there's enough controversy, then they're like, haha, we've won or whatever. But I mean, I, to some extent, it was important for the student union to show to its members that we are with those members who are directly attacked by this position. And like, what's wrong with that? Mm-hmm. And yes, in that case, um, the event was canceled. Ah, there you go. The second, the second time was when uh, Margaret Somerville was given a, an honorary doctorate at Ryerson. And uh, Margaret Somerville is an ethicist who, uh, in her research, uh, says that the only, like, the, the only way to raise like a kid that's secure and good, I guess, is to have a mother, biological mother and father. And so we protested that honorary doctorate. And the honorary doctorates are supposed to recognize like an individual whose work and whose, who's, uh, I don't know, research or whatever the fuck is something that the university wants to associate with, that the university finds that Mm -hmm. work as being important enough to praise it and support it. And in that situation, you know, we tried to have the honorary doctorate rescinded and we failed. And I think it was important for us to try, obviously, no matter what. And instead, we had a we had a silent protest, which I thought was um, was also a very good compromise because we didn't want to take the day away from the students who were graduating. Mm-hmm. We didn't want their day to be dominated by, by you know, some sort of massive controversy. And um, and so we had a coalition of I'm not sure how many people. There's probably 50 people, and we all kind of debated the pluses and minuses and who could do what and who was located where. And there was a nice protest uh, during her speech, and it didn't derail the day at all. And it sent a message to her very clearly that there were people on the campus that didn't support Mm -hmm. her views. What about about you? Yeah, when I was at the University of Toronto campus, I was working there at this time, so I'm not, I wasn't a student. There was the men's rights associations were popping up on campus, which I've talked about before on this podcast. And they organized an event featuring um, one of their heroes named uh, Warren Farrell. And Warren Farrell has some pretty, like, disgusting ideas um, about a whole host of social topics, um, about, uh, like, the acceptability of pedophilia, about the acceptability of rape. And they planned this event uh, to happen in, in a big theater on campus. And the idea was very similarly to what you were talking about with uh, Ann Coulter, was I think their goal was to uh, stir up contra- controversy more than anything as a way to uh, increase their profile and increase the knowledge of their existence, both on campus and off. And... Those ideas were just so blatantly horrendous that very, very quickly a coalition of uh, students from across the campus and from various different groups uh, came together to talk about how to to shut it down. There was also recognition that the people who were bringing uh, this person to campus was not a part of the campus community. They were attempting to... Uh, pass themselves off as students, but they they really weren't. 
and uh, the idea was this shouldn't go on without some sort of response and whether or not that provided some sort of uh, public like uh, advertising I suppose in the way that the the men's rights associations wanted the controversy um, it was necessary to have a response that said oh absolutely the fuck not we're not interested in you using our campus, our resources, sitting here and saying that this is a debate that is worth having. And so we, there was, there was a big rally that, um, I don't, I can't remember if the event actually went on. I don't think that it did. I think very few people were actually able to make it through the doors because there was such a, um, a large throng of people who, were in front of the door, just like, mm, this isn't going to happen. And it was like, you know, ironically, not ironically, just stupidly being held at the medical sciences building with, with those types of, these types of views. And the thing was that um, the, the university had taken the position that debate is necessary <laughs> in all of its, in all of its forms for even the most heinous of ideas, because that indeed is the true purpose of a university and what type of marketplace of ideas would we be if we could not truly debate the acceptability of rape it's just so bizarre having these uh these um arguments with administrators but because of that they called they had a very large police presence and not just campus police. They called in the Toronto police and there were, um, there were mounted police there. Like they were expecting, um, a, like a massive riot, I suppose, <laughs> to erupt and they wanted to protect this man's right <laughs> to, to talk about, um, you know, like the fact that I, I'm not even going to repeat his ideas. Like, if you are interested, look them up. Like, I, I it's just so stupid. <laughs> I just don't look them up, actually. It's just ridiculous. But, uh, you know, that, it was really weird because what ended up happening is, like, we're, we're not only just fighting this group and this man, we're fighting the university who's, like, been manipulated into, um, you know, defending this... Like, the, you know, they, they get to try to keep this 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 kind of arm's length position where they're just like, oh, no, we're not in support of the ideas. We're in support of all ideas, <laughs> which is just so bizarre. Like, because in effect, what you are doing is saying for the students who are monumentally hurt by this, because there's, of course, a lot of students who this affected, um, like, down to their core, who are monumentally hurt by this. There was, there was no thought given to how can we support these people? What can we do? Like, none of that was important. But the important bit was we have to protect, like, protect this man, this group, and their ability to have a debate because debates are virtuous. And as such, this debate will go on. It's like, what? <laughs> um, so, I mean, we felt pretty... I mean, and also looking back in hindsight with like how the MRA movement has grown since this time, which I believe was, I think it was 
2013 or maybe 2012. Like looking back in hindsight, feel pretty good about that decision, what we did um, in trying to stop that event from happening. Um, I think that uh, a lot of the protections that they were afforded on the University of Toronto campus helped to to do a lot of really damaging recruitment at at that campus amongst, um, uh, you know, the disaffected white men of of the University of Toronto, like it was, it's it's like you know the perfect place in some ways for for that t- type of group to to try to recruit. Um, and I don't know. I wonder how right. the university looks back at that moment and and uh, what they think about it. Uh, but God, I would not want to have to look back and say, man, I was part of of providing. Um, a space for this group to really grow. Well, the funny thing that that it, it strikes me in that story is just how intellectually bankrupt so many um, decision makers. So in, in this case, university administrators, uh, sometimes it's journalists, and oftentimes it's politicians, really are on what constitutes debate. I mean, there's so many things that we could be debating, and. <laughs> mm-hmm. And why in the fuck that debate is supposed to be the extreme? I mean, really, we're supposed to debate pedophilia being good or bad? Why, why not try to debate the causes of pedophilia? That seems more interesting. That seems like something that, you know, could be controversial as well. Mm-hmm. That could be forward-looking in terms of how do you, how do you address the social problem that can, like, is seemingly always there and always even getting worse. But no, the debate is 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 the most extreme version of debate, and it's because it's because it's salacious. It's because journalists don't think hard enough about these issues to really see what's going on, and then it gets very frustrating because then we're told, "Well, if you're right, then why don't you just debate these people?" <laughs> and it's it's like I yeah. I mean, okay, I don't know. Like I, you know, the place where I debate ra- random people the most is social media. And out of 10 posts, you know, I'll probably have maybe two of individuals who want to debate with me in good faith, right? Who actually don't agree with what I'm saying, want to debate. And let's take out anyone who's supporting what I'm saying. That leaves a whole lot of fucking trolls who are either not real or they're real, but they're not debating in good faith. And so you cannot, you literally cannot have a discussion with them because they're baseline in thinking in a lot of cases let's take one example is that like you know women don't have a right to do certain things period yeah 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 yeah. and how do you debate oh i I have the right actually to earn as much as a man does and there's people out there they're like no you don't (laughs) oh (laughs) okay the debate's Mm -hmm. over right because because the actual debate would be um who does this affect the most how do we change social policy is it real is the is the gendered wage gap real or are you comparing apples to oranges that's that's a debate that you can have and that mm-hmm. people do have right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but th- but that's complicated and no one wants to hear a complicated debate they want to hear uh a lobster loving apple cider drinking like street preacher telling them about <laughs> the the ills of the world being you know, cult- cultural Marxism or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, the idea that, like, I like the way that you phrased it. It's intellectually bankrupt. The idea that uh, you can view all debates the same, like the, a debate is just a container and what you put in the container is like, you know, like you, you just, it's like a, it's like a seesaw. A debate is a seesaw and you like put some things on the seesaw and it doesn't matter what you put on the seesaw 
Like, you, you <laughs> goes know, up, it goes down. It goes up or it goes down. Like, that's ridiculous. The content of the debate is something that needs to be considered in these discussions. No debates are neutral debates. There's, <laughs> and the idea of a debate in and of itself is not a neutral concept. All of these things have values placed on them. Uh, whether the sides of the debate have values, different values placed on them, and the idea that they are debatable at all is in itself a value. And so you you cannot look at it as something that is uh, fully objective. No more than you could look at um, education as a whole. You know, if you're if you're talking about an educational institution, no more than you can look at education as a whole as a neutral um, uh, any any topic any subject as as neutral otherwise you can just teach whatever the fuck you wanted didn't wouldn't matter like (laughs) it wouldn't matter what credentials you had or anything like that you could teach whatever the fuck you wanted (laughs) because it's just education we all have the right to be educated and all the things that are educatable in the world that doesn't make sense and very similarly um for a debate you know nothing is neutral in the concept of a debate but somehow in our society we've come to believe uh, by and large, that debate for debate's sake, debate is neutral, um, and we can we can, you know, in any in any uh, situation, debate is good, not debate is bad. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah, totally. Now, I also think that's what's interesting in this discussion is how how demonized counter protests really are, and I actually think counter protesting is really useful. And I'm going to start with the right. I think that Brian Bowman's press conference and the little rally that they held outside of our our event on Friday night was very useful because it gives opponents an outlet to express themselves. It makes opposition to us visible. So that was very helpful to see that even the mayor of Winnipeg finds someone like Linda Sarsour so odious that he doesn't want her coming to her Mm -hmm. town. That is a useful display of political analysis and so often the left is the one that's counter-protesting because we're so often ones without any power and like not able to control who gets invited or what the topic is and counter-protests for the left are really important as well because that's where we're able to say uh steve bannon's a white nationalist and shouldn't be given a platform like roy fucking thompson hall or we're able to say Ann Coulter is also a white nationalist and doesn't deserve to have a classroom at the University of Ottawa. And even if the event goes ahead, those protests are very, very important. Now, there's a story that's just happened in Quebec that I suspect you haven't heard of because it's Quebec. But one of our more um, outrageous columnists, a guy who does peddle in the white genocide uh, frame, uh, who's very critical of immigration to the point of being, uh, I would say, uh, anti, fully anti-immigration, though he coaches his words. Um, his name is Mathieu Bocoté, and uh, he just um, is about to launch a book about political correctness, obviously. Oh, my God. Um, he, <laughs> Even that shit's about I know. He, <laughs> God. It's like red, red, uh, red flag, red flag. Actually, he, he did a French talk show um, not too long ago, and people were circulating the, the clip because he was making so little sense that everyone else on the show was just, like, rubbing their temples, trying to understand what the fuck this guy was trying to say. It was awesome. But um, so so Matthew Bocaudet was supposed to have an event in Montreal um, at a book at a bookstore. Now, famously in my neighborhood, he uh, was pied in the face the last time he uh, had a book launch, which was awesome. Sounds great. 
Yes. And so this time he made a big deal that he has canceled his event on the advice of the Montreal police because of a threat that he received. No details about the threat, no details about where it's coming from other than online, but the whole thing has been used by a lot of mainstream commentators in Quebec to smear the far left. To say what? That, yeah, to say that, that we... The, it's a stretch. Yeah, to say that the far left is trying to shut down Matthew Bacote's free speech and can you believe this and everyone has a right to speak and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, sorry, Bacote, if you were fucking able to back up your opinions and were had the courage, had had a quarter of the courage that it takes to actually be a far left activist in this fucking world, you'd be like, thank you, Montreal police, for this threat. The event's going ahead. <laughs> like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. But it's far more easy and useful for him politically to shut this fucking thing down based on information that the public will never probably get, you know, how serious it was, what it said, what kind of threat or whatever. And it's like actual political commentators that are responding to, to blame it on the far left. Oh yeah, because that's the, the that's been the, the the insinuation is it's the far left, right. yeah. So interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, thank you to the folks who were protesting Bacote. Not sure about this threat. You know, let's imagine that it's real and say don't threaten people. <laughs> like, but go out and protest for sure every time someone is speaking who you disagree with because you have just as much right and access to that space as that person does. I mean, if they're going to be like, we must all debate, like, join in. <laughs> well, yeah. Because that is part of joining in on a, a debate. You're not, you know, you you responding by saying, well, actually, I don't want you to talk because you're so disgusting and these ideas are so dangerous uh, is is a participation of a kind in in a debate, no matter how stupid the debate is. 100%. I mean, if, if, if these people are speaking and there's no opposition to their opinions, then the historical record is that they were acceptable. They had, they had mainstream audiences. They had mainstream support, right? It's like the, the other thing that we have to cut through here, too, is how so many people who are, who are like free speech activists or whatever, uh, far right activists or whatever, they, they are so unable to debate their own opinions but smart enough to know that they're not that smart, that they will never actually find themselves in a debate with someone who would kick their ass because they, they would not put themselves into that position and ruin their brand. And we don't talk about that enough. Like this is, this is at the end of the day, this is still capitalism, right? They're still trying to make money off of all this stuff. Yeah. And in a, in a debate that's trying to make money, like all of the monk debates are all about making money for, for the monk school, right? Because uh, how many seats is in Roy Thompson Hall and how many, uh, how much money were each of those tickets sold for? That's all, all about making money. And so if your debate's goal is to make money, it's not going to be an honest debate, period. You're not there to, to truly discuss, uh, you know, like the direction of society or the importance of ideas. You're literally trying to do what you can to get as many people there as possible to make money. And I think what we've discovered in the new clickbaity world that we live in is sometimes, you know, the, the what that leads to is just having the most ludicrous ideas ever out there. Because then, uh, for some people who tend to be less affected, it's just like this weird spectacle. It's like an interesting show just to watch, to go to spend money and, and to watch. But to others, you know, it, it, it literally leads to the, the 
endangering their lives as it it's 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 a it's a capital gaining situation for one set of people but it's also an organizing platform for the people who are um uh doing who are a, a part of these debates and uh you know when people like jordan peterson and coulter warren farrell are the ones who get to 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 organize um because of the the goals of the of the wealthy folks trying to make even more money using this like spec spectacle um, idea of of what a debate should be, uh, like we're the ones who lose out. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 as you say, it gives capital to people. Like it, it's actually how like how mainstream society determines who is credible and who is not credible. Mm-hmm. This is why it's also so frustrating because it's like you will never see me or Sandy up against someone like David Frum. <laughs> and it's like you could say well why would the fuck would you be you guys don't have any experience like he does it's like well why wouldn't why wouldn't an average person ever be put into these positions to actually debate or these people or a philosophy professor or teacher from high school or or uh, a, a, a bus driver debating public transit and funding public transit and what it's like every single day on the road i mean like there are only certain people in society who are afforded the right to mm-hmm. debate and like let's be clear like Jordan Peterson's an average person. He's an average fucking person. But people have decided. Oh, sub-average. He's very sub-average. <laughs> He's a sub-average person. But somewhat, like, there's, you know, groups of people have decided that he is worth listening to and worth elevating. His ideas are worth elevating. And that is in no small part uh, because of of how he identifies and who he is. And and that plays into who is allowed to be seen as someone who is worthy uh, to listen to in terms of a debate, whether that's, you know, Steve Bannon or him or Zizek or whomever, it's because it, it's not because like they're like better than Nora. <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly not. <laughs> um, and, and it's not because Jordan Peterson's an expert or has spent his life uh, researching all the shit that comes out of his mouth like it's definitely definitely it's not. like he he like woke up last week and started thinking about some of the, he doesn't know what marxism means you know and uh he's just <laughs> an average guy who uh probably you know watched too much fox tv or something um made a couple friends who used to work at sun and now has a platform I hope that this kind of clarifies a little bit about what people have thought. Um, and, you know, this is a, this is an ongoing discussion, as I said before, like we have to always be testing where those boundaries are every time something like this pops up. But in case you're wondering, well, Nora, like then you, you've only talked about debates that have been shut down or that have been protested. Uh, do you have a good example of a, of a debate that you think people should all watch? And I do. Uh, if you haven't seen James Baldwin debating William F. Buckley at, I want to say Oxford, but some rich school in England, it is so good. Mm-hmm. It is such it is such a good debate. Um, let me, uh, I can actually find a little bit more information. Sandy, have you ever seen this before? No, I don't think I have. Okay, it is... It is a masterclass. Now, it's a masterclass because, like, the intellect isn't matched. <laughs> and so you can really see um, Baldwin, like, just wipe the floor mm-hmm. with Buckley. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just looking up what the exact um, topic was so that people can see. We can put it in the show notes, too. You can find the debate on, on um, 
on YouTube in its compl- in its entirety. Um, and sorry, it wasn't at Oxford; it was at Cambridge, and it was 1965. Oh wow! And the the topic was the American dream is at the expense of the American Negro. Mm. And it was to a mostly white crowd, male crowd. There were some racialized uh, students and some women. But the, the um, theatrics with which Baldwin brings to this debate, on top of his experience and on top of tons of, uh, of proof and research and all this, it, it is so good. And it's like, it's a really good example of what happens when conservatives like Buckley try to engage in these issues honestly, mm-hmm. which is to say they can't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's going to be a good one to look at. I'm excited for that. Totally. Okay, we'll put that, those in the show notes so we can give people an example of a good debate. And like, let us know what you think. Where do you fall in this discussion? We love to hear from you. And we know that this uh, discussion can sometimes be in itself controversial. And so I'm interested to hear what our listeners think uh, about, about this kind of thing. So if you listen to this this week or whenever... Just tweet at us or send us an email or something. I'm just, like, interested to see where y'all fall. Totally. Totally. Maybe everyone's going to disagree with us. We can do another show on it. And tell them why they're wrong. 